This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. I'm Jim Goodis. Let's find out what's going on with producer prices and retail sales headlines. Today's economic file, while the Fed will be in play later this week, and joining us with the latest is Diane Swank, the chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. So what were the numbers and what are they telling us, Diane? Well, we certainly did see some hot PPI numbers. Those are producer price index numbers up 6.6 from a year ago after seeing the hot flash on the CPI at 5% from a year ago. And usually we think of the PPI as sort of pipeline inflation going into what could show up to consumers and what could be a long, hot summer for consumer as we sort of get heat upon reentry into this economy and everyone's stepping out. The good news, silver lining, is that much of the increase that we saw in the PPI was in used car prices, or actually the margins um, that these dealers are getting on vehicles right now. That was 40% of the final goods demand sort of increase, and I think that's really important because we also saw that spending on vehicles declined during the month and consumers soured on the higher prices they're having to pay on everything from repair and remodeling their home and redecorating their homes and on vehicles um, in the consumer sentiment surveys that we saw for May as well. And it showed up in their spending patterns. Boy, they pulled back on everything from big ticket autos to appliances, furniture, building materials, all the things we had been spending on as we were cooped up. And I'm going to borrow from Diane Lynn, a wonderful economist in Washington. Um, She calls it cooped up demand. As we step out and we want to see and be seen, we're seeing a surge in spending on everything like restaurants actually gotten to the previous peak, exceeded it from February 2020 after adjusting for inflation, spending at restaurants and bars, and also spending on clothing, jewelry, um, and department stores, stepping out to malls again, wanting to satisfy those um, sort of that, that pent-up demand that we had, cooped-up demand in, in a way that's pretty instantaneous, also rotating off of online spending because we have want to satiate this sort of, you know, the quick, the quick fix we get by actually walking into a store these days. So, Diane, what is this going to mean in terms of what the Fed does later this week? Have they already factored this stuff in, or is this something that might change what they decide to do? Oh, it's a great question because what we saw in the data was um, that, you know, consumers' willingness to sort of respond to higher prices and pull back a bit and rotate into services, 
that pivot is what the Fed is looking at in terms of inflation being transitory. Some of the goods inflation we've seen should abate as bottlenecks are sort of worked through over the summer and into the end of 2022. I think it's longer sustained transitory flare in inflation the Fed would like. We're also going to see some surge prices and vacations. But this sort of gives the Fed a little reassurance that the inflation we're seeing likely still remains transitory, even though it's hotter and longer than they'd like. You're going to see that reflected, though, that there's inflation in the Fed's numbers when they talk about the economy. They can't say, hey, the economy's cool. It's too cool anymore. It is now running above their target of 2% when you've got 5% year-on-year gains in the consumer price index. They have to acknowledge that. And I think we're going to see the Fed talk about tapering those big asset purchases of treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities later on this year as well. Diane Swank, the chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Always great information. Coming up, GM makes a move into the electric locomotive market. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. General Motors is teaming with electric locomotive maker Waptec to bring the car maker's battery and fuel cell technologies to trains. And joining us now is Jeff Gilbert, the auto reporter for CBS out of Detroit. So, uh, Jeff, what's all this about? Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I mean, GM has developed these new batteries. Uh, they're, they're actually a, a more modern version of the current lithium-ion batteries. And uh, they also have developed fuel cells. Now, fuel cells combine hydrogen and oxygen to create the electricity, but they need to be fueled with hydrogen. That doesn't necessarily work well in cars, but it could work great in something like a train where you have a hydrogen supply in a train yard. So they're putting this technology behind the wheel of a locomotive. It's a way for GM to sell some of this technology, and it's also a way for the industry in general to make everything a little bit greener. And this is something where I wondered about this when I was asked about, you know, the fact that they were talking about electric locomotives. Uh, it, it isn't going to be reliant like it would be with a lot of electric vehicles to go somewhere and plug in, so to speak, right? Right, exactly. I mean, there are lots of electric locomotives. Now, your subway car is an electric automo- locomotive, but it has wiring there. And if you just put in batteries, that locomotive isn't going to go very far. I mean, a, a car on a bunch of batteries can go a couple of hundred miles, but that's not a lot for a locomotive. But you put in the fuel cell that actually generates the electricity, then you've got the opportunity to generate the electricity on board to go where you don't necessarily have an electric connection and to uh, power it essentially emission-free, no diesel no exhaust like that. So GM says in doing this, uh, this also helps their carbon footprint because a lot of their vehicles are delivered on trains. And if they make the trains cleaner, well, that just helps the whole process. Have we heard at all how the railroads feel about this? Uh, I have not talked to anyone in the railroads. That particular company is very high on it. And, uh, you know, I, I would think just about everybody these days is looking for ways to improve their carbon footprint. So I can't really see an objection, but uh, again, we get to the point where railroads are going to be buying these vehicles. Will they pay for them? Will they pay for diesel vehicles? I have no idea because I do not follow the railroad industry. Jeff, does this help the auto industry in giving it another market for this technology that gives them a little more capital to keep investing and developing and enhancing this technology? 
Absolutely. The more places you can sell your technology, just as you said, the more capital you get in and the more you can develop other technology. Developing electric vehicles is a very expensive proposition. And General Motors and all of the other car makers are looking for whatever way they can to use that technology. That's why you're hearing about a lot of car companies looking at these electric uh, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft that could be used for short commutes. They're developing the electric technology already for for ground vehicles, so why not expand that to air vehicles? And you also learn some development from developing different kind of vehicles. So it, it, it's kind of a win-win. That's Jeff Gilbert, the CBS Auto reporter out of Detroit. Thanks, Jeff. Up next, Best Buy wants to sell you a grill. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Best Buy is looking to extend its product offerings well beyond electronics and. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Ken Perkins, research analyst at Retail Metrics in Swampscott, Massachusetts. So I guess you can pick up a computer and a grill at Best Buy and a bunch of other stuff. What are they expanding into and why? Yeah, good questions. I mean, they're expanding. They've got two new product offerings in particular that they're getting into, an outdoor living collection, which can include like Traeger and Weber outdoor grills. Uh, as well as outdoor cooking appliances, fire tables, you know, they're doing outdoor lighting, heaters, patio furniture. And then a second category is sort of this pickup on the reopening of the economy and the travel uh, theme as people get out and travel. They're going to be adding a whole line of Tumi uh, gaming console uh, bags that they can be carried in business uh, cases, luggage, and so forth uh, to take advantage of that. And yeah, I think the primary reason they're doing this, though, is is to really take advantage of the momentum they gained. They were a big beneficiary from COVID-induced uh, nesting phenomena, and they just want to, really want to carry that momentum forward. And then secondly, compete with Amazon. You know, they always have an eye on Amazon, and Amazon has a huge third-party marketplace where they're selling all kinds of products. So I think they're trying to expand into that area and compete with them as best they can. How have other lines, you know, for example, Example, you know, we, we think of Best Buy and we often think of the really high-tech stuff, but I know they, they have a fairly decent play, say, in appliances and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, how d- Does that give us any indication of how these other product lines are going to go? I, th- I think they'll be pretty successful with it because most of the time when they put their mind to it, they tend to make the upfront investments uh, in, tr- in terms of Salesforce training, uh, website logistics, product acquisition, and so forth. So, you know, they've had pretty good success with their appliance business, uh, their home theater business. They've moved into the healthcare space uh, with, with some success as well, providing monitoring and setup for seniors within their homes. So I, th- I think they've got a good chance to be successful in these particular product lines and, and and uh, moving forward and continuing their momentum. Any particular challenge you see for them? Uh, intense competition, right? I mean, a lot of these products that they're offering uh, are already offered on third-party sites, uh, as well as Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's. Uh, so it's going to be competitive. So they're going to have to make sure that they can deliver, uh, you know, in terms of getting product to consumers quickly and not, you know, being long delays and lag times, you know, we've seen bottlenecks in the supply chain. So I think that's going to be their primary uh, impediment going forward in the, in the near term. Ken Perkins, research analyst at Retail Metrics in Swampscott, Massachusetts. Thanks, Ken. Still ahead on Travel Tuesday, the best roadside attractions in the mid. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. West. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A shooting inside a home in Chicago leaves four people dead and four others wounded. There's concern that military weapons are finding their way into the hands of criminals. In Travel Tuesday, with school out for summer, it's time to load up the family for a road trip and we'll look at some fun roadside attractions in the Midwest. Businesses are experiencing worker shortages, making it a great job market for teenagers. On Wall Street right now, the Dow is down 125, the S&P 500 is down 11, and the Nasdaq is down 94 points at 1231. Three women and a man were shot and killed and four other people seriously wounded when an argument broke out inside a home in Englewood on the south side early this morning. The four were pronounced dead shortly before six at the two-story house near 63rd and Morgan. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. There's way too many guns in the wrong hands in this city and across this country. And any thoughts that illegal gun possession doesn't drive violence is ridiculous. Neighbors say they heard shots at two separate points overnight, but it's unclear if police were contacted the first time. An investigation claims hundreds of military weapons are finding their way onto the streets of America. The Associated Press reports nearly 2,000 weapons, including assault rifles and machine guns, have disappeared from military warehouses over the last decade. Mark Ridley worked at the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. I think there needs to be better controls on how things are shipped from one location to another. The AP found some branches of the armed services don't have complete figures for the number of weapons. Weapons missing from armories. David Soares is district attorney in Albany County, New York. It's frightening that a weapon could in fact be stolen and then that weapon could end up anywhere in the United States. Tammy McCormick, CBS News. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are in the red and we're joined by Brian Battle, the Director at Performance Trust Capital Partners and Advisor at PT Asset Management here in Chicago. So, Brian, your take on the markets today. Yeah, Jim, you know, we have to have a little context. So this year, the broad, one of the broadest measures of the market is the S&P 500 is up 13%. But over the past 12 months, it's up 38%. So that context is looking back a year, we're in the teeth of the beginning of the pandemic. So we didn't know what was going on. So we're, we're kind of chopping about here uh, this week, kind of going sideways because the event of the week is the Federal Reserve meeting. It's a two-day meeting. It's today, and there's going to be an announcement tomorrow at 1 p.m. 
And any idea what you think will happen, especially as we get these numbers today? Will that make much of a difference, or do you think the Fed's already factored all this in? Yeah, so the economic data showed retail to sales going down a little bit. Producer prices went up, so it seems like there's inflation in the system. So that's the thing that the market is waiting for, is to see if the Federal Reserve has a different opinion about inflation. The Fed has said inflation is transitory, meaning that when the economy opens up again, there's going to be this big surge of demand. We're all going to go out and buy stuff, and then that'll settle down. So the Fed has said they're going to be patient. But that is uh, an experimental monetary policy, so we're waiting to see if the Federal Reserve has some discussion about that tomorrow, um, because the two things the Federal Reserve controls is short-term interest rates, while you're getting zero on your savings and checking account at your local bank. And the Fed also buys $120 billion a month of treasury notes and mortgages, which is equivalent to the GDP of like Nebraska or Arkansas. So the Federal Reserve is very involved in the markets. And if the Fed starts to withdraw some of the stimulus because the economy is getting better, maybe there's inflation, that might put some risk back into the stock market. So that's why we're sort of drifting around here, trading off a little bit the past couple of days, because we're, we're really waiting for this Fed announcements because they have been a driver of the markets recently. What else should we be watching for on Wall Street right now? So there's three things that are driving the market really is Federal Reserve policy. Are they going to keep stimulating the economy? The second is pricing. Is there real inflation? So oil is back up to almost 72 or Actually, it just cracked 70 I'm looking at the screen. Cracked $72 a barrel just a second ago. So that's the highest suspense since 2018. Again, this is all in the construct of, well, maybe the economy is opening up again. There's this big surge of demand, and then things will settle down again. But probably the, most impo- the longer-term thing and the most important thing is what's D.C. going to do? Because what the new administration is talking about raising taxes and increasing spending, you know, we need stimulus, but maybe the economy doesn't need stimulus right now. So those three things we're watching is the Federal Reserve, watching prices, particularly commodity prices, and then what is what is uh, fiscal policy going to be coming out of D.C.? And uh, two of those three things are not very clear, but um, since, I, like I said earlier, we've never exited a pandemic uh, quarantine lockdown, so we're, there's no real path here, so we're all discovering it as we go, and we're The markets are showing a little caution this week. I guess you can't say past performance, no indication of future results, because there there has been no past performance in this case. That's right. That's right. We've never done it before. So to criticize Fed policy is one thing. But, you know, in the teeth of the pandemic, we didn't know. But there there is is some questioning now. It's like, well, do we still need stimulus? It seems like we're getting back to normal. Illinois is open again. Um, So all these emergency things that happened last year might start to get withdrawn. And like I said earlier, that might put a threat into stock prices here. But we're going to find out for the next most proximate thing is the Fed meeting tomorrow at one o'clock and there's going to be a press conference after. Brian Battle, the Director of Performance Trust Capital Partners and Advisor at PT Asset Management here in Chicago. Thanks, Brian. Up next on Travel Tuesday, the latest on top roadside attractions in the Midwest. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and this afternoon we're focusing on the family road trip and the best sights to see in Illinois and the Midwest. And joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line is Cindy Richards, the editor in chief of TravelingMom.com. So, Cindy, let's get right into it. What are some of these great places that we can go to and have some fun on the road this summer? Well, you know, when our kids were little and we were on road trips and they said, Are we there yet? Where are we going? Why aren't we there? We always said we were on a search for the world's largest ball of twine. And it kept them on the lookout to, to look for those kinds of things. And I think what's great about road trips, especially in the Midwest, is you can find stuff like that everywhere. Um, you know, the, the, the 
biggest road trip is obviously Route 66, always from Chicago. And if you take Route 66, the real Route 66, um, in Braidwood is the Polka Dot Drive-In. And that's the place to stop and give the kids a milkshake and then get a picture taken with the life-size Elvis statue out front. There you go. And the list goes on and on, I'm sure, Cindy. But one of the cool things is there are plenty of these options. And, you know, with just a little bit of work online or some research or maybe even talking to other parents who've been on road trips, you know, you can find a lot of really cool places that, as you say, help to satisfy that are we there yet mode. Absolutely. And, you know, I actually, as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, I did that. I Googled weird roadside attractions. And I discovered one in Illinois that I've never been to, and it's on, now on my bucket list. It's called Casey. It's in Casey, Illinois. And it, this place has all of these world record things. And the one that is the most amazing to me is a 56-foot-tall rocking chair that weighs 46,000 pounds. And it actually rocks if you can get 10 people together because it takes that many people to make the thing rock. And how do you get up to it? I mean, does it have a ladder or steps or something or what? Because I well, would think that a, would be a bit high, too. <laughs> that's a really good thing. It's huge. And it has all of these largest, world's largest things there that you can look at. And some of them, they didn't manage to make the Guinness Book. So they're just really big. <laughs> now, I imagine parents right now have been, like, grabbing a pen to write some of these down. So I think we've given them a little bit of time to do that. So let's just throw off a quick list of a few of these that we still have here. Okay, well, on the way to Mackinac Island in Charlevoix, which we all know about, right, is the world's largest cherry pie pan, because at one point they made the world's largest cherry pie there, because Northern Michigan's known for its cherries. Unfortunately, there's now a bigger one, so this is just the third largest, but I think the kids will still be pretty impressed with it. And then, of course, you know, there's Paul Bunyans everywhere along the side of the road, um, and there's one up near Mackinac Island in St. Ignace. Um, at Castle Rock, and he's got um, Babe the Blue Ox with him. So you can stop there. And I mean, these are like Instagram-worthy, right? So you can even get your, your teens engaged in this because they're going to get some great pictures. For my family, the, the biggest road tri- roadside attraction is the world's largest tire, which is right outside Detroit. We go to Detroit all the time, and that's always the signal that there's only 15 more minutes of the drive, and we will be there. That's the Uniroyal tire, right? The Uniroyal tire, and it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if Oh, go ahead, Cindy. Oh, I was going to say, and there's another really great one um, for uh, old time's sake on Route 66 as you're going into Pontiac. One of our favorites is the old Burma Shave signs with the words that say, why is it when you try to pass, the guy in front gets twice as fast? <laughs> Indeed. And what's great about these is they really do help you to have memorable vacations. Because, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, what did we do when we went there? What what did we do when we went there? You're not going to forget any of these. Absolutely. And I imagine you can find out all of these and more at TravelingMom.com, where Cindy Richards is the editor-in-chief. Cindy, thanks, as always, for joining us with great tips. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, teenagers have job choices this summer due to a shortage of workers. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Teenagers looking for jobs this summer should have no problem landing a gig, as we hear from Rick Cobb, the executive vice president of Keystone Partners in Chicago. So 
I guess there's no excuse if a teenager says, hey, mom, dad, I can't find a job. <laughs> They're probably not looking really hard, if at all, right? Yeah, they, they probably aren't. And I think that's the issue that we have to look at from both sides, both from the employer side and from the, the teen possible employee. So what is it that has the job market so good? I mean, is it just the same as everywhere else where, where there's just a lot of demand for people working and just not enough people filling those help wanted ads? Sure. Well, one of the things that happened was the COVID-19, the pandemic was sort of a rock in the pool that changed all the trends. Up until that point, we had a a relatively robust economy on the upswing, um, uh, regardless of anything else that you want to look at, because the number of people available to work versus the number of jobs still didn't match up. Um, Now we've gone back to an economy that's opened up a lot of the industries that felt compressed, whether it was the hotel and transportation, uh, hotel and uh, hospitality businesses, restaurants, et cetera, um, airlines, they now are, are coming back online. And that creates this vacuum where people need talent. So what's the way that teens or parents who are helping teens can take advantage of this situation to get the best possible job this summer for them? Sure. I, there are a couple of things that, from the from the teens' perspective, you have to consider the idea that this is not the last job that you'll ever have. That this is actually an opportunity to get work experience, and that even in that role that you might start out at, it doesn't mean that if you if you find something that you like or that you're good at, that the employer won't look at you for uh, advancement or improvement or training for a bigger job. So you have the chance to get experience. It's not about the money. It's really more about the experience and being able to accomplish something and, and have something to put on your resume. I think the other part of it is that, that companies now, as they, as they look, they know that the hardest part of hiring and retaining talent is that people like the organization and want to stay there. People quit their bosses, not their companies. So once you have somebody that fits your culture, it, it's, it's in the best interest of the employer to try and figure out how to continue to keep you on board. That's Rick Cobb, the executive vice president of Keystone Partners in Chicago, with the good news that plenty of jobs out there for teens this summer. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.